What did Jesus do? If this is the first time you've been here in this church, or this is the first time you've heard this, ser- this sermon series, this is only the second week. So you can go back and listen to or watch the live stream. I really believe last week is, uh, is a sermon that everybody needs to hear about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you have questions about that, I believe I've talked to one couple that, that have been visiting our church, and they're stepping into, well, I want more, I want everything that God has for me. And they uh, they'd had the questions, and she just spoke to me this morning. She said, we couldn't be here last week. Our kids were sick. We watched live stream, and she said, all these questions that I've had have been answered. So if you don't know that, we have live stream. And you can go back. They're archived on our website at freedomfellowship.us, and you can check out what the sermon was, and we have them archived from way back. So. I encourage you to utilize that tool. Today I'm in part two, and we're talking about uh, the second thing that Jesus did after he was baptized in in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he came out of the water, he encountered Satan. Now, many of you think you've encountered Satan. (laughs) I'm not even going to go there. (laughs) Mother-in-law. Mother-in-law. No. Just. I had to. I was tempted. And I gave in to the temptation. We're talking about temptation today. I had a great mother-in-law, by the way. She was awesome. And I, I'm selling that sincerely from my heart. She was like uh, a mom to me. And uh, Mr. But as we, as we look and see what Jesus did in the area, even being tempted, uh, we are going to learn some valuable lessons of how we are to conduct our lives when the temptations come to us. Now, the reason I said none of you have ever been tempted by Satan is because Satan is, omni, is not omnipresent. You understand that? God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time, all over the place. He's a big God. That's why you should be able to find him very easily. He's a big, big God. Satan, on the other hand, is, is not, he's not the opposite of Jesus. Matter of fact, this, this, what we're going to read in Luke 4 today, it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting because the creator, Jesus, is the creative part of the Trinity. Did you know that? Many people think, well, the Father, Jesus is the created. He is the creative one. He is the one who created Satan. So you're at, we're going we're to see where the creator is led into the wilderness and is, and is tempted by the created being, the one he created. So that's an interesting setup right there to begin with. The other reason is Satan, that you've never been probably tempted or come into contact with Satan, is because he doesn't live in West Texas. It's a good thing. I believe he hangs out in three basic places, and I'm sure there are more. But I think he basically lives in Washington, D.C., takes time there. And then while he's in America, he is on over to the West Coast of Hollywood. Works in the movie industry and the television industry. You can see he's really done a good job there, right? Destroying morals. And then uh, probably spends most of his time in the Middle East where there's so much conflict. He probably takes a little day journeys to Russia and China occasionally. I don't know, but he, he can only be in one place at one time. He's not God. Uh, he is a created being. He is a fallen angel. He's the head of the fallen angel. Now, the, the ones that we are tempted by are more than likely his part of his army. He has a, they have an army. He has an army. He has demons. He has angels. He has minions, whatever you want to call them. There is a hierarchy. If you read in Ephesians chapter 6, there are powers and principalities. And, and so he has all of his army that he sends out 
to bring havoc and, and to affect and influence the culture. And if you know, if you if you know anything, if you've been watching, if you've been here on Wednesday night on, and watched the Tipping Point series that ended last Wednesday night, the last one was very interesting. It was about morality in America and what it has degraded to. The enemy has done a great job of degrading and bringing down the morals of this country. But he does it through people, people like you and me. And he attacks us through his, all of his people. But the other thing is, guys, is that, is that we want to blame Satan. And, and, he, and he is the issue. He is the root issue because of what he did in the garden. Okay? He, he, that's where it all started. But, and a lot of times we want to be like Flip Wilson. How many of you remember Flip Wilson? That shows how old you are. He was on, uh, the, I think, Carol Burnett show or Laugh-In, one of those comedy variety shows. And when he played this part, and he was always getting in trouble, and he would say, well, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. And there were T-shirts made, and people that started going around the country. The devil made me do it. So when you do something bad, and it's real easy to blame the devil. But you really can't. If you know anything about Scripture, most sin comes from within us. It's our own thinking. It's our own degraded. It's, it's the way that we live our own life. It's our own morals that get us in trouble. And it speaks of that in John, uh, John James 1. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. James 1.12. It's not going to be on the screen, I don't think. James 1.12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. There's a word temptation. Say temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Now listen, God doesn't tempt anyone, but he tests everyone. Okay? But each one is tempted. Each one is tempted. Each one is tempted. When he is drawn away by his own desires, say own desires. And it's enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. Many of you this morning were tempted not to get up and come to church. Be honest. Shouldn't have to say that in church. Like, that's like a pastor saying, listen, I'm not lying. <laughs> really? Great. Be honest. How many of you this morning had a thought, a fleeting thought, maybe, that it would be a great day to, just to stay in bed? Be honest. You notice my hand's up too? Seriously, I I didn't, (laughs) you know, I've been doing this stuff, the mountain cedar and all that. And I thought, and I'm not on the praise team this week. And I thought, man, it'd be good if somebody else was preaching today. I'd just stay home. (laughs) Y'all have heard the joke. I've told this before, but it's still a good joke. And I don't tell very many jokes. I'm not very good at joke telling, but I'll just tell you. There's this man, and his mother comes in Sunday morning. She says, son, you need to get up. It's time to go to church. You know, the mom, and he said, mom, I don't want to go to church. I don't like church. Son, you need to get up and go get ready. It's time for church. You need to get up and go. Mom, I don't like church. The people there are not, they're mean to me. They're ugly to me. I just do not want to go. Don't tell me. Don't, don't ask me again. Son, you have got to get up. Mom, I don't want to go to that church. She said, but son, you're the pastor. <laughs> right? So some of y'all haven't heard that one. <laughs> okay, I'll go. But y'all are not any of those things to me. God wants us to do what Jesus did. That's the basis, the premise for all of this. What did Jesus do? Because if we don't know what he did, we're not going to know what to do. 
We're not going to know how to respond when sin entices, when temptations come. Here's the deal. Most of us are tested, or all of us are tested by God. And you know what I'm talking about, a test? God gives us tests. How many of you have ever taken a test before? Any kind of a test, okay? What are tests for? To to find out how much you know and how much you don't know? Uh, And God tests us to see uh, so that we not can, so, so we can't prove to him who we are because he already knows who we are. God tests us so that we can be, he can be revealed to us. God tests us so that we can be revealed to us. How many of you thought you would, assert, you would act, react a certain way in a certain situation and you were disappointed when that situation came and you didn't act, react godly? Okay. Well, see, God tests us. God tests us in a good way because he wants us to grow in our faith. God tests us in a way that he wants us to step out into more. He wants to do more. And Jesus said, I want you to do more. It's in John 14. We're going to read this every week. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And the greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. You can read the rest of it later. But what he's basically saying is, Jesus said, this is not just for the disciples. He said, whosoever. Whoever believes in me, he's going to do the works that I've done. We're going to react the way he reacted. We're going to be Christ because Christ lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you all agree with that? So if we're going to do the things that he's done, we've got to get some basics down. The first basic is we've got to get saved. The second basic is we've got to get baptized in water like uh, Talus did this morning. The third is that we really need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. When Jesus came out of the water, heavens opened. God said, that's my son whom I, I love, and I'm well pleased with him. And the Holy Spirit came down in power, and, and he was filled. And from that point on, he began ministry. That's when he began doing the things that God had called him to do for everybody else. That's when he came to save the whole, all of mankind. That's, that's what propelled him to go to the cross. That's what brought him to this place, coming from heaven to earth, so he could save us and do miracles and signs and wonders. It's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. So go back and watch next week, last week's if you haven't seen it. So look at verse chapter four. We're in Luke. We're going to stand Luke throughout most of the series. Verse one, then Jesus being filled, they've already, they're reemphasizing this. Uh, Luke is reemphasizing being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. How many of you have ever fasted for more than three days? Were you hungry? I get hungry the first meal that I miss. Don't you? The enemy comes the first meal. Well, Harold, you're kind of hungry, aren't you? Yeah, I'm hungry. But I love Jesus. I'm going to step in. I'm going to walk through this, you know. Forty days, Jesus went without food. Excuse me. Forty days. And here's the deal. We're going to talk about the last day, the 40th day. But if you'll read that scripture again, you'll see that Satan tempted Jesus for how many days? 40 days. Kind of like the wilderness thing, right? He tempted him for 40 days. And he came at him. He said he was filled with the Spirit, and he said he tempted him for 40 days. And in those days, he ate nothing. He went without food all that time. He was in a weakened state. Now, a lot of people, it's hard to, it's hard to. Get this picture in our mind, and it's hard for me, so you're not alone, that God is not only fully, Jesus was not only fully God, but he was fully man. But there is a separation there between the two. In the desert, he really was hungry. 
He really had gone without food for 40 days. There wasn't some supernatural supply of food that God just said, I'm going to fill him up every day. I'm just going to take care of my son. Here's the deal. Who led Jesus to the wilderness? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God led Jesus into the wilderness. Does that even make sense? God was testing Jesus. Or was he really testing Jesus? He's not tempting his son. We know because God doesn't tempt anyone. See, a test is good. Say, tests are good. Temptation, bad. So the Holy Spirit is taking, ushering Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days, which is almost like symbolic of 40 years in the wilderness that the, when the children of Israel came out of bondage, right? 40 years. And guess when the first things they did was they got hungry and they wanted some food, right? You see where this is going? So if God is taking Jesus, if he's leading him into the wilderness and going to test him, why would he lead him to Satan, the one that Jesus actually created? I think this. I think... God, the father, God wanted Satan, the fallen angel, to know that he was reckoning with the wrong person. I think Satan is there like, man, 39 days, I know he's hungry now. 40 days, I know he's got to be starving now. I'm going to come at him with the, everything I've got now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bombard him with these, with these temptations because I know he's got to give in. That's right. See, when, when we're in situations that we've never been in before and we come into a weakened state, guess who shows up? The enemy. He starts playing tricks in our mind that the demons start working on us. How many? You know what I'm talking about. And are you going to be ready for those temptations? Are you going to be ready? Because when the test comes, listen, when the test comes, I promise you this, temptation will follow. Y'all hear me? When you're tested, God's going to test you. That's when the enemy's going to come and tempt you. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. God has said, I want you to do this and so. I want you to go into this ministry. I want you to go and witness to this person. I want you to do this, Harold. I want you to go there. And as soon as you say yes to God, yes, God, I can do this because through, through Christ, I can do all things. I can, I can do it. I can go. I can follow through. I can be faithful. And as soon as you get to a tough spot in the road, guess what? The enemy goes, oh, really? Can you do that? Are you sure about that, Harold? And all of a sudden, the enemy starts playing tricks in your mind. He starts lying to you and starts to deceive you. And all of a sudden, you go, wow, I don't know about this so much. The temptation comes in the middle of the test. And that's why he says when you need, in the test, you need to persevere. That's when your character is developed, and that's when faith and hope come. You have to endure those temptations. So here we go. We've got Jesus led into the desert, and he's been tempted by Satan and we, won't, we don't really understand all exactly why God did all those things. He doesn't explain himself in every way. But I want you to know that Jesus, first of all, identified with sinners through baptism. Now he's identifying with us through temptation. Because you can't go to Jesus. Listen, you cannot go to him and say, you don't know what I'm going through. But people do. Well, you don't. Jesus, you don't have a clue about, you don't have a clue about my wife. <laughs> You don't know what she's putting me through. Like, really? Jesus, this husband you gave me, do you have a clue what he's like to live with? And we start complaining and griping and we think God doesn't, you know, Jesus just doesn't know. But listen what it says 
in Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points, say all points, tempted as we are, yet without sin. Say without sin. See, some of us think, well, he was, a, he was the son of God. He, he couldn't sin. There's no way he had this supernatural ability. He, just not, he had the opportunity to sin, church. He had the opportunity, but he wouldn't do it. You know, how we, you know how we get relieved from temptation, from the pressure of temptation? We give in to it. Think about it. You're tempted. Man, that looks good. I know I'm not supposed to eat that. I know I'm not supposed to eat that. The doctor said that was bad for me. And I'm tracking with anybody this morning. But a little, one little bite's not going to hurt. Right? And we give in to that temptation. Jesus doesn't know anything about that. Really? He's been tempted in every way like we were, like we are. And he did not sin. And I want to show you this morning, quickly, why he was able to resist the enemy. And if he could do it, we can do it also. Because he, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in us. Amen? <laughs> so let's go to Luke chapter 4. Verses 3 and 4. And the devil said to him, excuse me, I'm having mountain cedar issues. Anybody have a problem with mountain cedar? Yeah, well, don't cut it down. <laughs> Leave it alone. Luke 4, verse 3. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Because, But Jesus answered and said to him, it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The first temptation that Jesus was tempted was, was lust of the flesh. You know, lusting is more than just lusting in a physical way for a woman or a man or however that. It's way more. It's, lust actually means I want what I want, and I want it now. And I'll do whatever I have to get it. That's what really lust is. When you're lusting after something, it could be a car. It could be, it can, it's just, you fill in the blanks. It could be anything. Lust after food. You can lust after money. You can lust after position. You can lust after many, many, many things. But when Jesus was presented with this, this is what the enemy started out, and this is the very first thing if we're going to get the basics down to walk this life out and to honor God. We have to understand, number one, my identity in Christ. You see, the first thing Jesus, the, the Father said to Jesus when he came out of the water, what did the Father say? That's my Son in whom I am well pleased. Remember? Came out of the water. Heavens opened up. That's my son. He told everybody they could hear. That's my son. And the first thing after he goes through temptation, after he goes through fasting for 40 days, the first thing that Satan says in this account is if, say if, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. So he's challenging Jesus right off the bat with his identity. If you don't know who you are in Christ, I'm going to tell you, you will battle, you will fall to, to the, the sin. You will go around the same mountain over and over and over and over. You'll have the same bondages. They will stick to you like glue because if you don't know who you are in Christ, men, you'll fall for everything. you got to know who you are in Christ. That's why, we, that's why we preach it. That's why we teach it. Know your identity in Christ. Here's the, here's the thing. Satan is the greatest thief of identity of any pot, anybody that's ever lived. He comes to what? Steal, 
kill, and destroy. He wants to rob you of your own joy. He wants to rob you of your identity. He wants to tell you who, you, who, who he wants you to be. And God says, I know this is who I say you are. And so he said, that's my son. Satan says, really, if you're the son of God, then show me. Because I know you're hungry, Jesus. See that stone over there? It's about the shape of a, a loaf of bread. He said, you can, change that into, you can change that stone into bread, couldn't you? Well, could he? Of course he could. But he didn't fall for the trick of the enemy. So the number one, the number one sin, the number one temptation that was put before Jesus is the lust of the, fe- of the flesh. And he responded that he know, this is how Jesus answered him. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. First temptation comes to Jesus, and it's concerning food. How many of you love to eat? I like food. Mary Lou cooks good. I like food. Isn't it funny that the very first thing is about food? What is one of the, what thing in America is talked about more and and more money is spent on than food? There are billions of dollars spent on diet programs. Anybody in here ever been on a diet program? (laughs) Anybody on one right now? See, here's the deal. Don't call it that anymore. It's called an eating plan. Makes it sound much better. Diet pills, billion-dollar industry. Surgery, (laughs) hard as a rock. Take it there and put it in my lips. I'm not, I don't want to offend anybody. (laughs) Billions of dollars are spent. Surgeries, pills, eating plans, eating programs. And the same thing, listen, when we talk about food, there are so many parallels in from food in our spiritual walk. Did you know that? And I, that's why I think it's so interesting that the first thing that, that Jesus was tempted with was turning a, a rock into a loaf of bread. And listen, he could have made it a loaf of bread that's hot out of the oven with butter and honey on it. He could have. But he said, it's written, man, you can't do that. No. Here, here's the thing about us in our spiritual walk. Let me, let me show you some parallels. In our spiritual walk, with, in, in our journey with food, when they go hand in hand usually, because how many of you know that we, we've, we've come to the place, especially at the first year, we're going to do some things differently in the food area of food. First thing is, you know what? I am going to cut out sugar. Anybody ever cut out sugar before? It is no fun. Sweeteners, artificial sweeteners, they say they're worse than sugar. And so we, we, the first thing we want to do in, to, to get our bodies in shape is cut out sugar. Well, guess what? The first thing in the spiritual life a lot of people do, I'm going to cut out sin. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just going to quit it. Another thing that we can, we can see in the spiritual realm is, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a gym membership. Whew, yeah, I'm going to get on that treadmill. I'm going to start really working out. I'm going to start pumping some iron. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I've, how long have you been in the gym membership? Man, I've had it for three weeks. How many times have you been? Once. Yeah, right? I've got a personal trainer. I haven't met him yet. <laughs> you know, it's going to be good. 
And we, we talk about that. And then in the same area, in the same realm, we talk about getting our spiritual life. We're going to exercise our spiritual life. I'm going to really start following Christ. I want to I be a regular in church. You know, I met some of you for the first time today because you, you kind of come in late and I wasn't up here. So it was cool that I got to meet you. But, you know, some people, they'll be on time for the gym. But they want the church is just kind of if I can go, I can go. If I can't, I can't. Right. And so we, we make these we make these decisions in, in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm. They parallel one and the other. The other one is I'm going to start eating correctly this week. I'm going to start eating correctly this week. How many of you decided that before? I'm going to start eating correctly this week. Starting tomorrow. Because after the Super Bowl. Because they're having hot dogs and nachos. And, che- you know, they're just pastor, Super Bowl party. That's an exemption. How many of us have done that? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start tomorrow. My, I'm going to get back on my eating plan. Mary, the other day we were sitting down and I just weighed that morning. And I've been trying to watch what I'm eating. And, and I do. I watch it go in. And, <laughs> oh, man, that's good. I don't want that. And that's good. Watch what I eat. I got up the other morning, and I, was, I gained some weight, and I'm sitting there the other day. I'm going to say, man, my eating plan's not working. <laughs> she just started laughing just like that. She said, what eating plan? I said, well, you know, I'm trying to eat healthy. She said, no, you're not. Salads and chicken and beef and all that, you know, and a sopapilla or two. The same way we do that, we say, I'm going to start getting in the Word next week. I'm going to start reading the Bible again. We do the same things, guys. But when the test comes, then the temptation is going to come right after it. And if we don't, if we're not aware of who we are in Christ, if we're not aware of the word of God, which Jesus countered with, we'll see here, then we are not going to walk in this life, a, a life of victory. We're going to walk in a life of constant defeat. I asked the church, I asked them this morning, I said, how many of you guys are just keep going around the same old mountain? With the sin issues and my hands, with, I had everybody eyes closed, you know, heads bowed, except for those few that like to look around. Why do people do that? Like you're wanting to figure out who's bad, you know, but people, their hands went up everywhere because you are in this room this morning. And if if, if the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and in this room. Many of you are struggling with a sin issue, and you've been around the mountain, and you've been around the mountain, and you've been around the mountain. And you know, after you've been around the mountain so many times, and you have flunked the test so many times, you finally get weary of it, don't you? And, finally, and, and the enemy will use that, and he'll say, see, I told you you weren't worthy. See, I told you you weren't good enough. And you keep going around that mountain until you just finally give up. And you say, you know what? It's just not worth it. Because you're not, you're not fighting the way Jesus would have you fight. So that's where I think things are going to change today. So it's going to change for me today. See, that's where repentance is a change the way you think. So you're going to change the way you think. Let's just see real quickly what Jesus did. The first thing he did was he said, it is written. Say it is written. When you know what's written, guys, you can begin to speak what's written. When the temptation comes, if you don't know what is written, your the trap is set, 
and more than likely you'll be caught in the trap. Okay? If you don't know that sin is wrong, because a lot of people, they, they, they've rationalized and said, you know what, everybody sins. Everybody sins. Everybody, everybody's, everybody's guilty. Well, that's true. And, and the other one is that, you know, if I do something like that, God's going to forgive me. Well, that's true if you ask him. But some of you have come to the place of you've said that so many times that it doesn't mean anything anymore. Right? That, that hurt. Some people are going, ooh, that hurt me. Yeah. Because you get into, you get into this habit of sin, of continual sin, and you kind of get either get numb to it or you get depressed by it and you quit living for Christ. You just say, what's the use? So this morning, I'm going to tell you, first thing is you need the spirit of God living in you. The Holy, listen, Jesus did not have some magical formula that made Satan go bye-bye. He was filled with the spirit and he spoke the word of God. That's the two things he did. And later on, we'll find out in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed. Those are the three things that he did. Knowing his identity first, that he was a son of God. If you know your identity, first of all, then you need to know the baptism. You need to have the Holy Spirit living in you through salvation and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then you need to know the word of God so you can counteract whatever the enemy is throwing at you. It is written. It is written. It is written. If you don't know what's written, guys, you will fall. So. Part of your diet plan is actually to get into the Word of God. I'm going to speak to the dads. I want every dad in here to stand up. Every dad. Every husband. You might not even be a dad yet if you're a husband. Y'all have a big responsibility. Do you know that? You can't leave here today and say, I haven't been told. You can't leave here today and say, well, I didn't hear that. It's your responsibility to lead your families. And there's no better way to lead your family than through prayer and through the word of God and through bringing them to church and associating with other believers. Father, I want to bless our men in here today, our dads, our, our husbands. I want to bless them today with the res- to, for them to know the great responsibility they have, but also to know the great good father that will help them walk through this journey and teach their kids and teach their, and lead their wives and lead their homes in a godly way. That they'll no longer continue, they will no longer give in to that continual sin that continually besets them and causes them to fail at being the dads and the, and the husbands that you've called them to be. And I bless them today that get serious with the word of God. Get serious with the word of God to begin to learn the word of God and apply the word of God in Jesus name. Would you all receive that? Just say amen. 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 You may be seated. I wrote this down. If we are ignorant of God's truth, we are poorly armed in the fight against temptation. In first Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful. Say, God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God wants you to walk in victory. He is a good, good father. That's why I love that song. He is perfect in all of his ways. He gives good gifts to his children. 
And this morning, some of you are living way, way, way below what God has called you to live. Would you stand, please? That's point one of three points, but you know, they're all pretty much the same thing. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Jesus faced all of them with the word of God. Be filled with the spirit of God. Did you know Jesus, he just told Satan to get away from him? Satan has been loosed on this earth. He actually is still roaming this earth. He's not, he's not in hell. Satan has never been to hell as far as I can tell by scripture. He's still working on this earth. He's the prince of the power of the air. You study that and you think, wow, back then when, they, when that was written 2,000 years ago, the prince of the power of the air. Look what's in our airwaves now. Number one, cyber attack, Satan. He's all over the place in the media. And he wants to destroy your life. Know who you are in Christ this morning. Now, if you don't know Christ, you don't know who you are in Christ. Yeah, you understand that? If you've never given your life to Christ, you have no you don't know about identity. God wants you to have an identity in him. And it comes through faith by submitting your life to him, surrendering to him. It's not about your works. It's not about how good you're going to be. It's not how good you're going to withstand temptation. A lot of people want to get their life cleaned up before they come to Christ. That's not the case. You come to him just the way you are. Let him begin to work in life and mold you and make you into the man or the woman of God that he's called you to be. So if you would bow your heads in the ministry team, but come forward and we're going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked the first service. The, group, the, the crowd, the, the, the congregation in the first service. Because this is very serious. Some of you are battling with the same sin. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's envy. Maybe it's fear. There's a million things it could be. Maybe, But you battle with it, and you battle with it, and you don't ever seem to get any relief from it. And you really want to move on. You want to move past that. And today, because of the, this message, you're, you're going to receive really a, a true or better understanding of who you are in Christ and what you need to do to fight this, this enemy that we call the, what we call Satan. The Bible says that we don't go and we, we just put on the armor of God, and what do we do after we put the armor on? We stand, and then we pray. So this morning, if you're, if you're dealing with a continual sin, a habitual sin, we want to pray for you this morning. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, nobody looking around. And I, I really appreciate the kids. Y'all been great today. I really have been. But even kids battle with the same sins. Do you know that? Maybe you just, you, some of the younger people here today, you've, you're battling with something. And you keep saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that one more time. And the next time it comes before your eyes or your ears or whatever, and you're tempted again, you give into it, and you get mad at yourself, and, and you just get mad at God, you get mad at the enemy, you just get mad. You don't want to keep doing that. You don't want to keep going around that mountain of frustration. So this morning, if you're, if you're dealing or battling with a habitual or a continual sin, I want you just to be honest and just slip your hand up real quick. If you're battling with a continual sin, you've been around the mountain and you're, you're, you're just so tired of fighting it. It just doesn't seem to be. There's hands all over this room. Hands, it's a sea of hands. So that tells me that, number one, you need to start you need to start battling differently with the word, with the spirit of God, by prayer. 
and you need to know who you are in Christ. So here's the invitation. Y'all can look up now. Here's the invitation. First of all, because there's so many, we're not going to have you come forward for that. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we had a salvation in the first service, thank God. But if there's somebody here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we just ask you to step out and come. Let one of these awesome people up here pray with you. you you've come. You've been to church maybe a hundred times. But if you were to die today, you wouldn't have a clue where you're going to spend eternity. You don't know who you are. Today, God wants to call you out and say, you're my son. You're my daughter. Is there one, is there one here this morning that's never given your life to Christ? God laid a word on my heart, and I wanted to be obedient and share it with you guys. Over my life, I've learned to be observant, just watch people. Like, the, you know, some places I go with my wife, especially like shopping. Um, fellas, y'all know we have to sit and wait and be patient for those of us who are married. But I've learned to, you know, just watch people, just watch. And I seen this mother and her, and her baby girl. The baby was crying, like boo. I mean, she's just crying. But like 20 seconds later, she laughed. And that's the beautiful part of life is that the pain don't always last. First Peter 5 and 6 and 7 says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, and cast your cares, your worries, your burdens unto him because he care for you. Now, Let's break that down. Humble yourself. That's one thing we struggle with is humbling ourselves. We struggle with humbling ourselves. Now, pain, pain is a, we, we have so much pride, you guys, that pain is a reminder that we cannot fix ourselves. So we, we have to humble ourselves. We have to be willing to wave that white flag. God wants us to wave that white flag so that he can work in us. So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Therefore, he may exalt you in due time and give your, bur your burdens, your worries, your cares to him because he cares for you. Now, with the, the rest of that scripture, what it's saying is you do what you can and God will do what you can't. So you pray, you seek God, you seek his face, give it all to him. Get, get, that's the point of humbling ourselves. Hey, God, you know what? I can't handle it. I can't handle this situation. I can't handle this pain, this, this heartbreak from this relationship, friendship, whatever the case may be. I can't handle this. I need you to take care of this for me. Trust them, guys. In, in, in a relationship, we all have relationships with everybody or friends, family. But in a relationship, one of the key components is trust. It's trust. So I encourage you guys to trust God. To, matter of fact, I dare, I dare you guys to trust God today. I dare you to trust him. Allow him to work in your life. Allow him to minister to you. And I'm telling you guys from, I'm telling you guys this from experience. He will work in your favor. God bless you guys today. One more, oh, I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. One more thing. One, one more thing. God. Pastor, I apologize. I got to get this, got to get this out. Got to get this out. Guys, another thing. Pastor, Pastor said something right before I came up here about we think we, we have to be clean ourselves up before we come to God. We got to get, I hear a lot of, you know, young people say all the time, I got to get myself together, CJ, before I, before I come to God. I got to make sure my ducks are in a row before I come to God. That's, guys, that's like, that's like saying, that's like insisting that you're going to scrub yourself off in the shower before you take a bath. <laughs> think about it. Think about it, though. Think about it. 
that's the whole point. God, as Pastor said, he wants you to come as you are. And he'll clean you up. And he'll clean you up. Y'all, I think think of a think of a puzzle. Think of a puzzle. Now, in order to do the puzzle, we can't do it at eye level, right? We can't do if it's at eye level, we can't do it. What's the what's the best view of a puzzle? From the top, right? From the top. So when the pieces of our lives are everywhere, all over, who is above us? Now, allow him to put you together. Oh, God bless you guys. Does anybody else need to come prepare this morning? You step out and come if you need, if you have a physical need. If you just have a specific sin issue that you want one of these guys to pray with you about, I invite you to come. Anybody else? Any prayer this morning? Okay, I want you to bow your heads one more time. I just want to pray a collective prayer over you. Father, for these, yeah, y'all come on. Y'all come on. You can still come. We have people up here to pray with you. Step out and come. If you need healing, we want to pray for you this morning. If you need healing for anything, we want to pray for you this morning. But if you're one of those that raised your hands a while ago, I want to I pray for you. And Father, for those that are continuing, they're, they're walking around that mountain and that same issue is, is just dogging them. Father, first of all, I pray that they would know who they are in Christ. They would know that they're worthy. That you're not angry with them. Secondly, Father, I pray I just impart to them a hunger for the Word of God that there would be a hunger to get into the Word, to really absorb the Word and apply the Word to their lives. So when the temptations come, they will know what to say and what to do. And Father, I just speak a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit over the body of believers here. Father, they would press in and to surrender any area of their life that they haven't yielded to you, Lord. We can say, I want more, I want more, but unless we're willing to yield more, pretty hard to receive more. So I bless them today to yield their lives to you, to walk in the power, to resist the devil, and know that they that you're God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen.